Verse 25, Luke 2, verse 25. If you found your place, let's stand and honor reading God's word. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he would, had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in, in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in many years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple serving night and day, fasting and prayers. And that at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Father, we ask that you would bless your word this day. God, we thank you, God, for your word. God, let your Holy Spirit enlighten us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What child is this? The disciples in the midst of the storm when he said, Peace be still, and the waters was quiet, and they said, What manner of a man is this that can command the storms. What child is this? This child who we celebrate. In Isaiah's prophecy that's on our bulletin, in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
eternal Father, Prince of Peace, on the throne of David and over the kingdom, over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and evermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So many, many years before he was born, Isaiah saw this child coming. In chapter 7 of Isaiah, verse 14, it says, The Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore, Isaiah was told before the very birth of Jesus that a virgin would be with a child and bear a son, and they would call him God with us, Emmanuel. It makes me think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe among him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest gift for Christmas is Jesus. I shared with you last week, anything up under the tree, the material thing that's up under the tree, it will deteriorate. It will fade. It will be trash before you know it. Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus just gets brighter and brighter and brighter? The more that we know him, the more that we understand him, the more precious he is. He's Lord. He's Savior. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's all in all. How can one describe him? Isaiah states the government will rest upon his shoulders and one day he will rule the nations in peace. A wonderful counselor, a mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace, a king. By the way, there's no way that you can ever have peace if you don't have Him. He is the very Prince of Peace for us. John wrote in what he saw in Revelations 19, 13. He said, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Well, even in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Let me read that again. Verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, a lot of times I, if I have to write something that where others are going to read it, before I ever turn it loose, I let Tracy proofread. 
And to be honest with you, if you've ever read anything I've wrote, it's basically been rearranged by Tracy. Uh, she says I'm redundant. I was thinking that she'd get on the Holy Spirit here because he says in the beginning and then in the beginning. But I think it's a writing form that is making a point. Jesus didn't just come about from the birth. He's always been. He's always been God. I think I shared this last week. Um, Alistair Begg, he said, there, there's no subtraction in this. He said that when he was born, he didn't stop being God. God wasn't subtracted from that. And he said, and it wasn't a division. He wasn't partly man and partly God. He wasn't divided. He said it was an addition. He became a God-man. One that was 100% God and 100% man. You say, how can that be? And I got the only answer to tell you is God. God can do all things. He's God. The Word. And the Word was with God. And he, he turns around and he was in the beginning. He makes his point. And then down in verse 14 of chapter 1 of John, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw the glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Revelation 19, 16, uh, John saw on his being Jesus' robe, and on his thigh, that he had a name written, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Last week we saw where the angel Gabriel came to Mary to give her the news in Luke 1, verses 31 and 32. And it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The angel came to Joseph in Matthew 1, verse 20 and 21. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. What a Savior. What a birth. What a plan of God for our salvation. That He would give His only begotten Son for us. What a gift. In Luke 2. Verse 10 and 11. Angel appeared to the shepherds. The angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
We, we come to our text this morning uh, here in Luke 2. More witnesses to testify to the baby's Jesus identity who were looking for the consolation of Israel, verse 25 tells us, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel, verse 38 tells us. We will look at these two witnesses, so to speak, call them to the stand. Simeon and Anna. Simeon. In this day, he was a very popular name. There, there, Simeon was one of Jacob's son, one of the twelve. And he was also, of course, you know, the tribe of Simeon. So it became a very popular name. And Luke's description of this Simeon, Simeon I can't say it, Simeon, uh, in verse 25, he says this man was righteous and devout. A righteous man and a devout man. Him being righteous means it was imputed to him by faith. He had no righteousness of his own. It was a righteousness of God that was imputed to him. And he was devout, meaning he was God-fearing. Luke goes on to say in verse 25, looking for the consolation of Israel. This word consolation is looking for the comfort. Looking for the comfort for Israel. Simeon was one who cared deeply about his people, much like Paul. You know, Paul, he, he, the, the scripture says something that was just really mind-boggling to me. Because Paul said he would wish himself accursed for his countrymen. For the Jews to be saved. Simeon had this kind of attitude for the salvation of his people. The, the people were living in distressing circumstances. It was under the Roman Empire and, and they longed for deliverance. The Messiah was the embodiment of the nation's hope for comfort, their consolation. They also, there was a realization of the new covenant with its promises for the forgiveness of sin, for a new cleansed heart where one could be born again and for the indwelling, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we look at Revelations. Simeon's revelation here in the latter part of verse 25. And it said, And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him, the custom of the law. There, there's a misconception about the Holy Spirit. That his ministry in the lives of God's people began at the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit convicted people in the Old Testament. Of their sin. It prompted repentance. It gave life. It promoted faith. It drew them to God. As Abraham believed. 
unto him it was accounted righteousness. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, no one from any age can ever be justified, sanctified in the will of God. There is, however, a a dimension to the Spirit's work in the lives of the believers after Pentecost. Jesus said in John 14, 17, He abides with you and will be in you. There's the difference. He abides with you and will be in you. There's Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was with them. And after Pentecost, he was in them and in us. The text states that the Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a privilege for Simeon to receive. He, he must have, have lived in a joyous expectation that he one day would see the Christ, the Messiah. That knowledge motivated him to live a righteous and devout life. Well, listen, we have a word from God also. And it's around 1 John 3, 3, 3, 4. And it says that when we see him, that we will be like him. And it goes on to say that everyone that has this hope in them purifies himself. Isn't that our hope? That one day that we will see him and that purifies us to live closer, to live a more expectant life of seeing Jesus Christ. He might come on Christmas Eve. It could be this evening. The question for the church is, are we expectant? We get so Humdrum, just so settled. When Christ is coming, you say, oh, preacher, they've been saying that for years and years and years. Well, that tells me he's getting closer. We should be a more excited people than our forefathers because it's getting closer. Listen to me, children of God. You have every right to be excited. Nothing in this world, I don't care how many appliances breaks down and and what all happens in your life, you ought to be excited because Jesus is coming. I want to tell you that Simeon was excited. Uh, It said the Holy Spirit was upon him. I think he came into that temple with so much expectation that day. What a privilege. There's going to be that day that all is going to stand before him. That's the redeemed and the lost. There are two different type meetings. You can be assured of that. Now the lost, they shouldn't be the ones that's upset, downcast, 
Why? Because they have no hope. We have the hope. Joseph and Mary takes the baby to the temple to carry out for him the custom of the law. When they get to the temple, it is there in the temple where Simeon meets the God-man. Jesus Christ. Look with me back to our text at Luke 2, 28. Then he, being Simeon, took him, being Jesus the baby, in his arms. Isn't it sweet to hold a newborn baby? Woo! I want you to tell y'all that if you could have saw me Tuesday week ago... When Hannah hand me little Charlie. Oh, I had tears streaming from my eyes. And I began to pray. Oh God. Let this baby grow to be a man that glorifies your holy name. And to reach lives for you. The things that I could think of that God could do. In my grandson. And I did a writing and I wrote that I commit to praying every day that God would use him for his glory. How sweet it is to hold a newborn baby. He took him in his arms and he blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. He's saying, God, now I'm going to get to go with you. You said I could live until I see the Messiah. I have seen him. I'm holding him in my hands. And now you're releasing me and I can come home. That's our, that should be how about how excited we are about going to heaven. I'll tell you this story. I've told it to you before and I'll tell it to you till the Lord doesn't give me speech anymore until he takes me home. But Nathaniel at McKean, when he got cancer, he was up in his 80s and, and I went to the hospital and the day they diagnosed him with cancer and, and I said, well, what's the word? And he said, well, preacher, they said I got cancer. I got colon cancer. He said, my general practitioner wants to, to me to have this surgery and have them remove it and try to piece my colon back together. But he said, you know, preacher, I've, I've, been, I've had my eye removed. I've had this surgery and I've had that surgery. And I'm in my 80s and I'm just going to turn this over to Jesus. And, and if Jesus wants to take me home, then he, I'll be glad for him to do that. He said, and I told my cancer doctor that. Now, my GP, he didn't want me to do it, but my cancer doctor said, well, Mr. Williams, if that's the way you feel, that's what we'll do. He said, what do you think, preacher? I said, I think you and God's got it all together. I'm not going to interfere. <laughs> and he went home to be with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I saw joy in him. I never did see fear in that man. He was joyous. He knew where he was going. 
I, I think for so many Christians, there's some doubt. And so therefore, they're fearful. Listen, you've got to trust in Christ. You've got to trust in His Word. And no, don't just say it's true. No, it's true. Draw close to Him each and every day. He said in verse 30, I don't know if I read 29. Now the Lord, yes, okay, verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Yes, he had. He had seen the salvation. Salvation of Israel. Salvation of the world. Which you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, the sight that Simeon saw. Simeon saw the salvation of the Lord. He was privileged. He says that he's been released. His eyes have seen the salvation. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. I had someone to tell me about their son and trying to talk to their son about Jesus. And he's supposedly a well-educated man. And he said, Oh, don't you know that there's a Jesus type in every religion? Isn't that sad to be in that kind of darkness and not know that there's only one who said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except through him? What a Savior. Simeon, in verse 31, said, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. The light of the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel is for everyone. Verse 33 tells us that Joseph and Mary were amazed at everything that was being said about Jesus, their baby. Remember when Mary was told by Gabriel, it said she pondered. Here, what Simeon says, she was amazed. Can you imagine to be assigned the calling of being the parents of Jesus? Having little Jesus in your house. And every time you got upset and you had a bad thought, they go, uh-uh. <laughs> Simeon. Gives advice to the parents. 
verse 34 and 35. It said that Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be appeared, and a sword will pierce your own soul. To the end of thoughts and to the end that, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Can you imagine the pain that Mary went through? You remember when he was a little boy? And they were leaving out of town, traveling, and they went some ways and they realized Jesus wasn't with them. And they went back and they found him in the temple. And he was in there teaching the Pharisees. And they said, you know, we were worried. What, what, where have you been? What, what? He said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I remember when Jeff and Teresa Coleman was called to be missionaries in a total Muslim world. And they had two young girls. And I remember one of the parents of, it was Teresa's dad. He was so upset. He said, you know, it's okay for y'all to go, but not my grandbabies. And, and believe me, I, I think I can understand how he was feeling. And, you know, but for that calling, even to know that Hannah, if she was called to a foreign mission field, it would stun me. Could you imagine Mary? Knowing that one day she would know that he was going to the cross. And she stood there at that cross and looked at her son. He said, A sword will pierce your own soul of the hurt that she must have had. Jesus would be rejected by his own. She would hear the things that was being said about her son. Jesus, destined to be the determiner of people's destiny. Only the believing remnant would rise to eternal life in heaven. Over in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse Six says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches 
of His grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This baby... The Savior, the King of Kings, the the Lord of Lords, the God-Man, the Son of the Most High, would go to an old rugged cross. And there he would die. Why? For our sins. It was for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the nations. He would die on that cross. It's called a sin atoning death. So that those who believe, and this is not just a mental knowledge. Please understand this. This is not just something that is in your brain. It's in your soul that you believe. It's not by works, but however, this faith that's been given unto you because you believe has you to follow. That you want to follow him. You want to be close to him. You want to commune with him. You want to be with his people. Don't you have someone that you can get with, that you can talk about holy things? Listen, folks, if we're Christians, we ought to get together and talk about holy things. Not talk about your neighbor. Not talk about the rude guy in the grocery store. But to talk about Jesus. Oh, to share with someone our love with Jesus. I've shared this with you many times, and I can guarantee you right now that uh, I've, I've shown people pictures of my grandbabies, and when they say, oh, look, they're so darling, and they just carry on, all of a sudden I just kind of like that person a whole lot. I'll never forget years and years ago I had a, License plate on the front of my old truck said Jesus. And I'll never forget this man's Wendy's parking lot. I backed into the parking spot and this man came by and he was staring at me. I didn't know what he was looking at. I just thought he was just staring at my truck. And I got out. And this man teared up. And he said, Sir, I love that man. And he pointed at my license plate. Never seen that man before in my life, but I immediately loved him. I said, yes, sir, I do too. Just in a moment, I found out I had a brother in Christ. Brother Mickey told me that he was at a restaurant not too long ago and sitting there, and he, girl that was waiting on him, he said, Miss Smith, let me ask you something. 
He said, I, I think I know you. I, I think we're kin. And she looked at him like he was kind of crazy. And uh, she said, sir? He said, let me ask you, are, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. He said, I thought we had the same father. Do you ever strike, strike up godly conversations with other people? Why not? Is he the hope that lives within us? The greatest thing that I can tell anything about, about myself is that Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. He loves me. Don't you know that he loves you? Don't you want to share his love? I mean, can, can we have a picture of Jesus on our phone? We have his word. We can have his word on our phone. We can show him the word. So look, this is what Jesus says. That he's the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. And you can come know the Father through him. Don't you want to know him? People have trouble with irresistible grace. I have no trouble whatsoever with it. If you knew the goodness of God, if you knew the, the, the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you truly knew him, how in the world could you resist him? I told someone if it was the other way around and Tracy came and asked me to be her husband, it had been irresistible. I mean, still, there's still guys, I still have friends pick on me all the time, said, your wife have eyesight problems or she's mental or what? That wasn't that funny, James. God is good. Anna, the prophetess. Getting verse 36. I'm in Ephesians, reason I can't find it. There's a prophetess named Anna. Anna comes from the Hebrew word by the name of Hannah. Hannah means grace. And Anna's characteristics was much like Hannah in the Bible. She was known for prayer and fasting. But God used her to speak his word. It tells us in the text that she was advanced in years, that she never left the temple serving night and day in fasting and prayers. Her main focus and thought, she began giving thanks to God for this baby Jesus. When's the last time that you thank God for Jesus? Do you know where we'd be if it were not for Jesus? We'd have no hope. And she continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. 
Are we constantly speaking of our Redeemer? Our Redeemer. He lives. That song Nicole C. Mullins wrote, or sings anyway, she said, you asked me how I know he lives. I talked to him this morning. This Christmas Eve day. Let us know that our Redeemer lives. And he's about the business of salvation. Of people being born again. Of creating a new heart. David said, create in me a new heart, O God. He didn't say, tune this one up, rebuild it. He said, he said create in me a new heart. He didn't want to have any part of that old sinful heart that he had. He wanted a whole brand new one created by God. To be in his likeness. What about you church? What about you? Are you committed? Are you persevering? Brother Mickey. Bounds told me when I surrendered into ministry. He said. Larry it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Finish well. And that's where every child of God. It's not so much how you start. It's how you finish. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord God, we come to you. We thank you so much, God, for your goodness and your mercy. God, we thank you for this gift. We thank you for Jesus. Bless his holy name. God, help us, Lord, to go through this season and through each and every day of the year of praising you in the name that's above every name. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing number 261.